This is Behind the Exploratory Legends, episode number 17. Yes indeed, as you saw the title, as you see the time of its release. I was supposed to have a guest on for this episode, as I mentioned in the previous one, but due to key news that has happened in the world of racing, I have to postpone that episode where I have this particular guest. I won't tell you who it is. You have to wait and find out exactly who it can be. You never know who will be on this program. But we got two things to discuss about in the world of racing. One, it involves a racing driver and involves a racetrack's future. So first and foremost, let's talk about the very mysterious and odd case of Haley Deegan. Who, honestly, am I? If you tell me which one of her races have been the best of her career so far in the world of stock car racing, as the dog, if you might hear in the backdrop, I'm not sure how clear it is. It's telling me to explain why Deegan is a mysterious case. Here's why. If you were to tell me which race she has had in her career in the stock cars, which one had been her best, I would tell you Colorado 2019, which she won, and this past Saturday at I-44 Speedway in Lebanon. No doubt there was an expense in both of those. One, in Colorado, it was outright pace where she had the race control. Had it, In my opinion, looking back on her, had it not been for a contact between Derek Krause and Brittany Samora, Tegan probably could have won this whole entire thing without relying on the bumper. And some people forget, Derek Krause made the situation happen. Krause made the, made the made it tough on Deegan. She used the bumper to get by on a white flag. That didn't bode well for her, as she said in the past. And she told me back at, I believe it was Meridian, when she won in 2018, if you hit her, she's going to hit you back. That's what's the case. And Krause went around for a spin. Deegan won her last West race, the third of the three of that she had. Fast forward to, so yeah. There's some people saying, oh, that's all she does is wreck people. Oh, Deegan should have not taken out her teammate. Yes, there's an ethical purpose where, yeah, she should have not taken out her teammate. But if you actually watch the races, if you actually remember how that race went down, Krause put her in that situation. She made contact. He made contact on her to get the lead. So you make contact, and most mindsets, you take, you, you do the same thing. Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't, honestly? Whether, it, whether yeah, it shouldn't that led to a turnaround, but that's just her style. And now her style has really become a massive detriment to her racing career and the reputation of others. Because an I-44 Speedway, she ran into Brett Holmes, who is battling for an Arkham and Iron Series Championship. Deegan is trying to just have one good race. And I'll tell you why I mean one good race, because that's not been the case this season on the National Arca circuit. And I do have an issue with people saying, oh, she's just wasting her time in Arca. She should go straight to the truck series. Give it a minute, and I'll tell you why I have an issue with that sentiment. So, took out Brett Holmes. Turned around. Brett Holmes, the only incident he had is just he took out Chandler Smith, who was already two laps. Now, Chandler Smith has been an absolute disappointment this season. He had so much high value. If you were to tell me who had the highest stock among the regional guys, I'd tell you it would have been Chandler Smith, Sam Mayer, Jagger Jones, Haley Deegan, and Derek Krause. Well, here, look at the list. Jagger Jones is no longer regional racing. He's stuck in super late model purgatory, which is unfortunate because Jones should still be racing. Oh, yeah, Brittany Samora is another one. That's an honorable mention, but she's ran one West race, and she's doing the super late models, doing really well, as always. Let's see, Jagger Jones is no longer in the picture. You also have Derek Krause going to the truck series. 
Ty Gibbs suddenly rose his stock big time. Sam Mayer's had a challenge because of Ty Gibbs. Chandler Smith has been struggling egregiously. Not his fault. He's just had the worst luck imaginable. Even in the truck series, he's not had the greatest of luck. Whether it's Gateway or Darlington. Man, talk about that's just un, it's just part of racing sometimes. It really is. It's just how it goes. But anyway, and then Deegan. She's had the second place at Daytona, but she was not a factor at all at Talladega. She's not had a race. She, I call it the Sergio Perez effect, where wherever a driver qualifies, that's where you kind of expect him to run during the race. If it's a good qualifying run, expect a good outing. If it's a bad qualifying effort, expect a not-so-good result. That's been the definition of Sergio Perez's Formula 1 career. And look at it now. He may be out of a ride. Sure, he has that three-year deal that will continue, but who's to say Aston Martin will favor Lance Stroll, who got a podium. Yes, indeed, he got a podium this past Sunday at Monza in a wild race where you saw Pierre Gasly and Alfatari, the formerly known as Toro Rosso, the formerly Minardi, win the Italian Grand Prix for his maiden Formula 1 Grand Prix victory. Carlos Sainz and a McLaren finished second. That's all due to the fact that Lewis Hamilton had a 10-second speeding penalty for going in the road under the safety car due to Good old, poor old Kevin Magnuson, whose car just gave up. It just stopped. And then, of course, the red flag for Charles Leclerc's impactful of a wreck in the final corner. High speed, and the brakes gave out. It destroyed the tire barriers that had the first red flag in a Grand Prix since the 2017 Azerbaijan Grand Prix, or known as Baku. It's been a long time. And yes, I do agree the tire changing and adjustments should not be used in a Grand Prix event. That's the main reason why Lance Stroll didn't have the pit, but he choked it in the on the on the standing start. It was a standing start. To my knowledge, it's the first time a Grand Prix had a standing start following a red flag since Belgium in 2001, when Luciano Berti had that horrific wreck that probably that could have probably cost him his life for sure. That horrific wreck. If you see his helmet, it is not pretty. It's really not. And the fact that he's still with us today is an absolute miracle. And it shows you the testament of the Formula 1 cars. Despite we've lost two notable drivers on a Grand Prix weekend, which were ultimately Jules Bianchi, who passed away in the summer of 2015 after his injuries from the 2014 Japanese Grand Prix. And of course, you had Antoine Hoover, a spa last year in the Formula 2 feature race. And which, of course, Gasly winning is the first Frenchman to do so since Olivier Panis, or like the many telecasts over the years, is Pani, Pani, Panis. It's Libier Panis. That's how I'd be calling him and how I've been referring him for the longest of time. Boy, it got nothing on John and Lacey where it was like, Alessay, Elise, Alessay. Oh my goodness, the French slot for the last name pronunciation is really good. It could be, or there's even Sebastian Vettel. Back in the day, I think it was either James Allen or even Martin Brother as well, say Vettel, whereas Bob Barsh has been saying Vettel for the longest of time, or many people saying Barrichello is Barrichello or Barrichello or Barrichello. It's Barrichello. This is how I recall. Anyways, that's enough Formula One talk. It's enough about Grand Prix. We're talking about Haley Deegan. Deegan had a great qualifying run at, at, at Lebanon. He had, she, I think she was the fastest in practice. So I was thinking, this is finally going to be the race. The finally going to be the race for her to show what she's capable of without laying the chrome horn. Oh boy, was I literally wrong. She used the chrome horn 
to, as I mentioned, Brett Holmes, who's fighting for an ARCA championship with Michael Self, used the bumper on lap number 70 of 200. Yes, 7-0 out of 200. 70 out of 200, which in hindsight, you split it in half, is 35% of the race. 35% of the way in. Talk about, yeah, there's some folks saying, yeah, it's a one-group track where you have to use the bumper, but, I mean, you can use a little bumper, make a little content, you can buy it, but don't really have to necessarily bump them out of the way. I like the circuit. Personally, I like Lebanon. I like how it looks. It's a throwback, it's a grassroots feel, it's like a bull ring. You have, it's more forgiving if you go off the course, you don't have to wait the barrier unless you're Michael Self who found a way to hit, find something concrete that is relatively close distance. I like how it looks. We need, I feel like for Arca, the National, to have a good, decent rate of surviving, put them in the bull rings. Put them on short tracks in the Midwest. I know the West Series has that stigma of bull rings and all, that's all they're known for, unfortunately, whereas the East has all the cup venues, with the exception of Memphis. And of course, Gateway, but they have the truck series at least. We need more of those venues in National or in, even in the East. We need unique circuits to challenge those folks. And I, I, I asked Derek, uh, Derek Krause, who finished second in the truck race at Darlington, who's 10 points away from making the playoffs. He has to, he has to defeat De Todd Gilliland, who used to be Krause's teammate back in 2017 out on the Westland. What track uh, for Richmond is similar? Me being a dumbass to a degree, should have listened to what Bob said because Bob Parker said the same exact thing not ten five minutes prior I asked. Huh, at least I, I had other stuff going on. I was writing the article, multitasking. It kind of blends mishwashes to where you lose track of something. I lost track. But essentially he said to me and Bob, Kern County. I was surprised like, Kern County, huh? Kern County in Richmond. I could sort of see it. It'll be interesting how Cross does this Thursday in the truck race. He's remember, it could be all for now trying to make the playoffs say like a Johnny Sauter or Stuart Friesen or even a Tanner Gray. Who knows about Tanner Gray? You never know what a truck series every now and then who can win out of those. Who you never know. But right now, Krause is trying to become the third rookie to get into the playoffs, joining Saint Smith and Christian Eckes in that battle. So it's not gonna be like the Cubs series where Cole Custer's winning Kentucky basically gave him rookie of the year because he was the only rookie to make it to the playoffs. Even though, you look at that top 20 standings, you have three rookies in there. They're living up. Poor old John Hunter Nemechek on the other hand. He's just had the worst luck imaginable. Some people say, oh, he's the modern Robbie Gordon. It's like, so what you're saying that Robbie Gordon, so what you're saying is John Hunter Nemechek is going to do stadium super trucks, going to run the Indianapolis 500, like Austin Sendrick. I'm okay with it. I wouldn't mind seeing John Hunter Nemechek try an Indy car. It would be kind of funny. It'd be odd, not funny, but odd to see him do it. You know what's funny? Brandon Jones winning three races this season in the weirdest circumstances. He outright beat Kyle Busch. He had a magnificent restart at Kansas and taking advantage of, I think it was Austin Sendrick and a couple others banging into one another. And then, of course, you have Darlington thrilling expanding the race. Beautiful. Where Danny Hamlin and Roger Stain put themselves in the wall to what probably would have happened if Ricky Craven and Kurt Busch had a different ending. And Brandon Jones did what Dave Blaney couldn't, and that's to get by those two cars that were battling, giving an absolute all into what they do. But again, I'm sidetracking myself. I'm talking about Haley Deegan. Deegan. Lap 70 of 200. One lane groove. Yeah, but isn't most of the West Circus one lane groove? 
Jesse Love, Geo Selzy, and Blaine Perkins had a be- an epic bumper to bumper using your crow horns moving out of the Wayne shenanigans at Colorado. But guess what? They kept it straight. So in that regard, th- that's all you need sometimes. You don't have to take them out of the way. Brett Holmes very upset. I was thinking, yep, Deegan, as much as he's out in front, Deegan's not going to win this race. Brett Holmes will probably pay her back. He paid. He moved. He punted Chandler Smith out of the way. I don't blame him for that reason. But at the same time, I give White Chandler was frustrated and angry because he's had a rough day. So even after the race, he got me. I, what, what I saw from the Mav TV coverage, it looked like he was mad as Sam Mayer. For blocking the entryway. Obviously you have victory lane. Standing in start finish line. And it looked like he was impeding his Chandler Smith's route. So Chandler Smith was told. I want to assume it's Sam, Sam Mayer. You tell him he's number one. Probably just a completely different story into it. That maybe someday I'll probably ask Chandler. What was the ordeal of that him flipping. Whoever it is. Assuming it's Sam Mayer off for. He's just had a rough night. That's just Saturday night action baby. That's what it is. And then you had some folks out there, one particular YouTuber, I remember, that really set me off in Meridian last year. It was like, oh, the West is just a bunch of dirty ass racing, a bunch of four ringers, they don't want to amount to shit. Come on. Kevin Harvick, Kurt Busch, Ron Hornaday, Herschel McGriff, hopefully Derek Krause and Todd Gilliland. They're from the West. They made their names in the West. You have Derek Thorne and Jagger Jones and Blaine Perkins, Jesse Love that could that have the potential, especially Love being relatively young, raw potential. You never know how he's gonna fanfare. If it wasn't for Irwindale, Geo Zelsi could be in that title mix as well. There's some crop of West Coast talent out there. Some are transitioning from dirt to doing so, which is about the main main key contribute. Contributing factors why you're seeing a couple more guys out there trying in other circuits. Because Zing the West is a different challenge. It's a good feel. Get your foot in the dirt, get your V mud, and understand different styles of racing. Derek knows it. And look what he look he's doing fine. Anyways, Deegan had the lead. It looked like she had this whole race one. We finally get to see how she does under her. Yeah, she used a chrome bumper, but we're finally seeing what a lot of us, including myself. Want to see out of her? What can she? What can she do when she's out in front and sets the pace of the contest? She did well. Yeah, if I remember, I think it was Sam Mayer was catching her, and then the caution came out from Michael Self plowing into the wall. And I think what was it Chris Wright was also involved in the 22 car. Then they set up the battle for the finish where Deegan just absolutely choked a restart. She spun her tires. It reminded me of poor Samo- Brittany Samora at Tucson. Where Restars was the Achilles heel for her, but she wasn't used to that kind of style with a, with a full body stocker. She's used to the late models. Don't get me wrong, she's won championships. She's won a lot of races, but it's a different animal with a big bone body stock car. And Sam Mayer, who started alongside Deegan, he's won races in the East. He's won the championship. He's the defending East championship. He's competing in the Sioux Cheek Challenge. He's used to, he understands running out front. He knows that feeling. He was just on it. And of course, Sam Ayer, no surprise, won the, the big boy Arca race. Sam is, is doing well. He's doing quite well despite the circumstances that has happened this year with the pandemic. What happened to Deegan? Well, in comes Ty Gibbs. Decided on the last live, used the chrome horn, a taste of her own medicine. Some people saying karma. 
She got what she deserved in many people's eyes. I'm not going to say that. She she got punted out of the way by Ty Gibbs, their fellow monster energy driver. Oh boy, tempers flare. And then people are realizing more at a greater light that some people want to support Deegan. She wants her to succeed. We've heard it everywhere. You heard it from Kelly Earnhardt and the Dale Jr. download. How much she wants Deegan to succeed. I'm all for women succeeding. No, get me wrong. It's unfortunate, like going back to Formula One, it's kind of sad that Claire Williams and, of course, Sir Frank have to give up the roles that they have with Williams for somebody else to keep the team financially stable. It's kind of a. You hear from Claire Stone, it's, it's, you, you can't. You, how can you not feel sad for her? Because there's not that many female empowering leaders that actually are really successful that could make a difference in the sport. Look how many women are working in Formula One. They created that. Look how many of them are there. You have so many talented races over the years from the female, like a Janet Guthrie, a Lynn St. James. Even a cat. I'll put Catherine Leg, despite one Metallica fanatic that I know completely will disagree big time. Shout out to you. If you know who you are, if he ever listens to this kind of thing. I feel I have envy for him because you get to see the SMM2 show live in Chase Arena in San Francisco. But hey, one Metallica fan from the other eye. Hey, hell yeah, man. You, you got to see that show. Anyways, Catherine Leg, You Of course, you have Brittany Samora. Look at Gr- Gracie Trotter as well, making a good name for himself. I feel like she can win this year. Circus has got to play out for that to happen, of course. I even said, if I said this to myself, I said this the same thing about back in 2018 after the Las Vegas Dirt Race. I said, Meridian coming up. Something tells me, I judge based, based on, D, on Douglas County, Deegan did well at Douglas County, really well. It wouldn't surprise me if Deegan wins in Meridian. Lo and behold, it happened. She used the bumper on Cole Rouse to do so. Second win, she used the bumper on Jagger Jones and does so. Uh, sadly, Rouse is not unpit- MIA as it could be in a racing career. Jagger Jones, Ugh, somebody give him a ride. I feel like he, he grew. He has talent. He has promise. I think his sponsorship and all that. But you think the family name will help? Not always the case in racing sometimes. Oh, lordy. Boy, were people upset. People were feeling very frustrated how Deacon has conducted herself this year and how underwhelming she has performed. It doesn't help, and I feel like this is the same way with some folks, especially one Kyle Busch. Work practice and track time helps her a lot. But I'll say this as well. She got to practice, and I think that's probably one of the reasons why she adapted a lot better. Also helps that it's kind of a boring feel as well. So I hope Arca, what brings the I-44 Speedway on its regular calendar, I think it'll be a knee circuit. They're going to run in, I think, what was it, Winchester as well in Indiana? Why not? You want to have more diverse circuits, but also give a, give a quality of competition where the field count is not the problem or the main topic. The price money is egregious in Arca. Don't get me wrong. It's been that way. But tracks like that could kind of save them. And there's one particular track that could become a short track where I feel like, okay, you're not wrong in that regard. If it means it'll benefit one entity or more, I'm all for it to a degree. I'll discuss about that shortly. Anyways, Deegan was upset to where even Brett Holmes basically said that he tried to run clean. It's unfortunate that, that she and, and the family were rose that way to be that dirty of a racer. And like got and then put Brett Holmes over because remember he's he's the thing about Brett Holmes. 
the Alabama Razor. Family-owned team, runs out of his own pocket, minimal sponsorship, no power manufacturing support. He's driven Chevys. He drove a Ford one. He has no backing, true backing. He's competing in a series that's pretty much become what the the, 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 the reputation of the West, where the West is always the Bill McAnally, Bob Brunkati show. Whereas ARC on the national level, it's always the Billy Venturini, Bill Venturini show. That's all the, 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 that's all there is. The fact that Brent Holmes is in the championship battle, independent as it can be, independent personified, for the most part, battling with the big boys. How can you not root for Brett? How can you not root for him to stand, kind of like sort of bucking the system and say, hey, look, yeah, I may not have the support, but hey, I'm as every bit as good as you guys are. Michael Self, he's had the experience in our, he's, he's been through it all, choking a championship, costing himself a championship. He's been through the hell that sometimes Ark could be to try to be the top guy or in racing in general. This is against Self's title to lose. No doubt about it. But the fact we're this deep into the season in Arca, we still got a lot of racing to go, that he's in the championship trail is impressive. But had he won, it would have been as you as complicated because Self had a rough outing. I mentioned he wrecked the thing. But going referring back to Deegan once more time, Ty Gibbs pretty much became everybody's hero. It's like he became a baby face. Sure, say what you want about Ty. I have my personal thoughts of Ty as well. Referring to a couple weeks, to an episode or two ago where where he's just, where he can rub people the wrong way. And yeah, he has his lot of detractors. But his stock has risen. For right or wrong reasons, Ty can go. He, he has potential. We'll see how how things goes in the tracks because sometimes if you're really good in Arca or in the region, it doesn't recreate, doesn't lead to overnight success like Todd Gilliland. I mentioned Todd, he only he still has that one win, but he's doing quite well to where he's in the playoffs. Sure, adding two more spots helps, but he's done he's done quite well for what many people is considered a front row truck, but honestly is a DGR entity. And people are saying, Oh, she's wasting her time in Arca. Why is she doing it? Look, they're gonna say it multiple times. If Arca is the way to go for a couple years until she feels like she's ready to move up to trucks or run a limited schedule. That's her own being. That's her own prerogative. Yeah, our Arca National is different from the Bull Rings or yeah, she still have to prove herself on east of the Mississippi River. In the east and the Midwest, she has a long ways to go, a lot of improvements to make. So this is a wake up alarm. Is the honeymoon over? Probably. But not quite yet. People saying waste her time. It's like, no, I will never agree. She's wasting her time on Arca. I can never agree with it. I'm not on board with it. It's fucking stupid in my book. It's dumb. She's got to learn how to run all types of regions, racings, and all of that shit. The fact that people are saying she's wasting her time is like, how? Tell me how. Yeah, weak field be damned. Yeah, the money is shit. But at the same time, when you look at it, Oh, no, I'm not defending her at all, by the way. I'm just looking at it realistically. If that's her own prerogative, she wants to run Arca, let her run Arca. If Michael Sell, if Derek Thorne wants to run super late models on the Southwest region because he values the family or doesn't see or accepts the fact that he's okay running in the super late models, where in my eye, he could be a truck series driver. That's, her own, that's his own prerogative. Bubba Pollard, same thing. 
Who else? Who else? Steven Nassi. Even you have modified folks that are life first. Like, like Andy Sice. Ryan Priest before he got the big break. Unfortunately, he's going to be on his way out of the Cup Series because he's just had a terrible luck of a season. But at the very least, the modified folks are could be a damn good if they get an opportunity. I am all on board with those guys getting opportunities. Don't get me wrong. Where there's Xfinity Cup or whatever. If it's a Cup loud in race like most modified drivers tend to do, so be it. So be it. Deegan running Arca is a learning curve. You don't, want, you don't want her to be rushed, don't you? If you really want her to succeed, don't have her be rushed. Yeah, some folks at that better than other entities. The other look at Derek Cross. He's done fine in trucks. He didn't need Arca. He didn't need the National Tour. He didn't need it. Todd Gilliland moved, went from regionals to trucks. Christian Eckes is doing... He could win a race or two. Kyle Busch is content of where he's at. He's proud of him. He's not like Harrison Burton or Gilliland once more where, Todd, where Kyle was chewing the fuck out of him saying, be better. Christian is going through a learning curve in trucks. Because like Deegan with the... Re- Deegan and Krause and Gilliland and those guys, Harrison Burton, the regionals, that's how... That's the equivalent for Eckes running Arca. Some people adapt better over others. And that's my main frustration with the fact people saying she's wasting her time in Arca at the national level. Do I want to see her run limited trucks this year or 2021? Absolutely. Is she ready for trucks this year? I don't know. I don't think so. Maybe one star be okay. But we're just, since there's no Eldora... Which is honestly the ideal way is to debut somewhere other than a dirt track. To be, if I'm going to be honest with you. Harrison Burton, yeah, he didn't do too good in trucks. He didn't win. But when he had those Xfinity races last year, he his value regrew. It was like, okay, some drivers adapt on cars better than trucks. That's the nature of the beast sometimes. To where Deegan said the super late models is not much of a stick as far as performance is concerned. But hey... It doesn't hurt to learn. It doesn't hurt to learn. Holly Holland, who I've had in this program, she's done super late models. I think Deegan could benefit from more late model racing, more track time. That's just solely National Arca. That's that's their decision. That's not my decision. The fans cannot dictate what she wants to do. If she wants to get more Arca, do it like two years of per entity. That's her. That's their decision. Time will ultimately tell if Monster Energy or any other sponsor will rush her. Then that's a different end. That's we're talking about a different can of beans here. Now that I got my emotional anguish out of my way, Deegan is in a weird spot in her racing career. She's not rushed. She shouldn't be rushed. Is she ready to make the step up? I don't necessarily think so. But the fact people are saying she's wasting her time on Arca, she should go straight to the track series. What happens if she does? What if she ends up like a Natalie Decker? Then what? Then how you'll feel. Then people are going to say, oh, she should have stuck to Arca a lot longer. Hypocrites. You're making it ass backwards. It's just the flavor of the month. It's like whatever trance, like, oh, she's got to do this. Oh, she's wasting her time. Then she struggles in trucks. She falls flat on her face. Then what are you going to say? She should have stuck to Arca. Let her be. Let her be for fuck's sakes. Oh, my goodness. Sam Mayer won the race. Good for him. I feel like 
truck series is not that far. He's run truck racing, but I feel like full-time trucks would not be out of the question. Who knows what his plans are next year. Don't tell Ty Gibbs that, that's for sure. Brett Holmes is just a matter of game of survival. Michael Self, who knows what will happen. It's okay to run a certain series for a few more years. But right now, the expectations are low. She's not had the greatest of season. It doesn't help that the pandemic kind of hurt her in some ways to adapt and get used to a certain strike without kind of doing a cold turkey. But right now, her stock is not as great as she was a year ago. And I feel like Colorado was the turning point of her career. Because look at the races out with. And I've been critical about this as well when I used to do West Coast Race Wednesdays on YouTube. And my, for my channel that I used to be active on. She's got to put a race where she's in. She's got to have a race where she's in control. What we saw on I-44, it was good. It was admirable. Yeah, at the expense of a couple drivers, but she she held her own. And that's what that's what I need to see more out of. Can she attack? Can she work her way to the front? Can she put herself in a good position in a clean way, in a respectable manner as well, to where she does well, to where her stock is like okay. Now people can can fully support what Kevin Harvick saw in her in 2018, or how I felt and others in in the early part of 2019. Because remember, after that Colorado win, she failed to capitalize, and that's been the big burden about her. The biggest con is capitalizing on other people's misfortune without her being involved in it. Look at Sonoma. Derek Krause had problems. Jagger Jones had in with Jim Minglebright. Had she had she had a good better result than Oma, had she had that much better, we would have talked about a different championship. And because of stuff like Gateway and other circumstances where Derek Cross capitalized and then Jack Gerd Jones making the most out of those ordeals. That's why Deegan did not win the championship. There's so many things I could point you why she didn't win the championship. And that's one of the many reasons she's not a good capitalizing person when it comes to her behind the wheel. She's not good at capitalizing. That's why Krause is where he is right now. And unfortunately, like this, I see I see some folks saying well, that's why they admire more of Gracie Trotter and Brittany Samora because Yeah, when you when, when I think of Gracie Trotter is she has like an edge on her that where she's gonna be aggressive when necessary, but we haven't fully full seen it out in our West yet. I feel like that will happen, but all intents and purposes she's more of a relatively clean racer. Same with Zamora. She'll, when she told me this at Phoenix, she's not going to use the bumper just for the sake of being dirty. And she, and she told me this at Phoenix, that she wants to be admirable and clean to earn the respect of other competitors. Something that Deacon doesn't have really much right now from a lot of folks. I imagine this is the same people, how others feel about Brett, how they feel about Ty, or Chandler Smith, or whoever it may be. It's just a part of racing. I enjoyed the ARCA race. It was for once a national ARCA race I genuinely enjoyed. One group, one lane be damned. And yeah, sir, I understood like weather was an issue, the surface was a problem, vice versa, and what have you. And as a challenge, and I think the National Big Boy Arca could use some challenging tracks. It's, you're going to have that. The West has a reputation of one lane grooves where the high line is not ideal, but hey, somebody's going to have to make it work. Somebody will make it work. And that's just what racing can be sometimes. That is my take, and I'm sticking to it when it comes to Haley Deegan and how I feel about that ARCA race. Let's talk about another thought-provoking subject, the reason why I postponed having a guest on my program for at least an episode. 
is Fontana Auto Club Speedway, the formerly known California Speedway. March 2021, fingers crossed, if it stays in that time period, we still haven't found out what's going to be on the 2021 NASCAR schedule besides Nashville Super Speedway. If you want to hear my thoughts and Brandon Crossland's thoughts, who I had on, you'll get to hear how we both feel about having Nashville on the NASCAR calendar. Sure, it's the big Nashville, the concrete Nashville, it's not the fairgrounds like some people want, but at least it's a market that been wanting, <laughs> they've been wanting a cup circuit. Or a return to Nashville for the longest of time. You'll find it on Spotify, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Google, and Apple. And also on my website, Luis Torres Multimedia. This is one of my more recent episodes where I had Brandon Crossland on to talk about it. I hope you enjoyed this one because... And I do apologize with some of the comments I said. It's just heat in the moment thoughts. But there's times when it comes to my podcast, professionalism is key. But also, I'm not going to shy away how I really feel about certain comments that has really annoyed me, especially in NASCAR and Twitter, to where people were jumping conclusions. Here's the thing. Here's what I do, and I think is ideal in many instances. If it's a major hullabaloo, hoopla like Austin Sendrick's merchandise not being on the Team Penske or NASCAR website, my initial thought when I thought it was like, hmm, they must have sold out. Well, Austin Sendrick gaining popularity. His merger is selling out. Then people are saying, oh, he's in trouble. Oh, he's going to get fired. Oh, he's not coming back to Penske. While there could be some, or, oh, money lying in a, in a controversial scandal like last year, another DC Solar problem. I said to myself, like, I'm, I want to tweet it. I want to tweet it. I want to share my two cents. But I'm like, no. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm just going to go find out dirty details, finding if I can't find it or somebody else dug into the to the abyss to find all this scandal like the Muddy Lion ordeal last summer and again that is key last summer to where man oh man oh man people chill it's just a simple contact the Penske PR folks like I think Bob Pockers did and just wait and see if they're going to comment on it. Unfortunately, the following morning, it was not a firing. It's not a suspension. It was not a Cinder going to, I don't know, the Wood Brothers or some other entity. Entity or as Frank, Richard, you and Seth Edgar, we joke about on the Drafting Circuits podcast that you'll get to, that I record on Wednesdays with those folks. Oh, what's that closer to the Indianapolis 500? Indy 500 Brown also Cindric. This is kind of become a running joke with with with, with us. Also, anything Austin Cindric news related? Was there close to the five hundred? It comes to find out it was indeed the merchandise sold. That was not some scandal. Uh, I spoke with a fellow media member about it. That were it probably might have been such thing. But I, I said to myself, I'm just not going to tweet about it. I'm not, and I'm just going to wait till the next morning. Wake up and to just hear. What Penske or Austin Sanders said. Lo and behold, the following morning, merch had sold out. Chill, NASCAR Twitter. Just chill for a minute. Like, I need you to chill for a moment. Anyways, this episode has been going off the rails. This episode, you like I said, Twitter at the LT Files. Instagram, Luis D. Torres 94. L-U-I-S-D-S and David T-O-R-R-E-S 94. You find me on Instagram, Facebook, Behind the Exploratory Lenses. Where next week I will have a guest. And I already mentioned my outlets that you can hear it on. But I'll say it again. 
SoundCloud, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google, Apple. Maybe, fingers crossed, we'll get it through Amazon. I haven't heard much about that ordeal in recent memory. But let's talk about Fontana. So I woke up at about 10 in the morning. 10 in the morning on a Tuesday. He was thinking, okay, I'm going to go write about the Mid-Ohio preview, which, yes, it got to confirm this past Saturday that Mid-Ohio doubleheader would happen this Saturday and Sunday. Should have announced it about a week ago, honestly, so I would have better prepared myself. And I said, okay, I'm going to go write a letter to this one friend who was dealing with lymphoma and fix my closet, put some more clothes in the cabinets and all of that so I can clear up some more space to put all my camera equipment. I don't know what I'm going to do with the die-cast boxes that has cluttered my room once more. And maybe see if my 1998 Daytona 500 BHS tape with the commercials included are here so I can go watch the commercials. Maybe put them on YouTube. I don't know. i got to figure out. I have a big stack of box coming soon with a bunch of VHS tapes of NASCAR racing from the 90s. Even got some Super Bowl and World Series shit in there. I woke up, opened up Twitter, say. Fontana, Auto Club Speedway is going to go, there's a proposal out there. The NASCAR is going to try to convert Auto Club Speedway from a two-mile speedway to a half-mile short track with bankings looking like Bristol. As soon as next season, with plans of construction being done in 2023. No comment. No comment. I had no comment. I was like, hold on. You're going to turn one of the, one of only two Cup menus, two cup menus. Shout out to Kamaria with with the two chains reference back in 2013. Oh man, thinking about Campbell. Was... Anyways, that I digress. You're gonna turn one of only two cup venues that are two miles, exactly two miles. The other one being Michigan into a half mile short track. You're gonna cater to the crowd that wants short Don't get me wrong, I, I wouldn't welcome short track. I would welcome diverse circus. Don't get me wrong. I will never deny it. But why at the expense of one of the only unique tracks you have on the calendar right now? Fontana? One, one of the more better circuits out there, the ones I genuinely enjoy? Not because I'm from the west side. Not, let's, let's get this out of the way. Yeah, it, it, it's kinda, it helps to be on the west side, but Fontana and Michigan are, are unique. They, Pocono is unique, yeah. Pocono is considered one of the most boringest tracks in the Cubs circuit for many, many years, wherever you ask. Pocono has a unique structure. Indianapolis has a unique structure. Fontana and Michigan do. In an era where there's a bunch of cookie-cutter mile-and-a-half tracks and very few short tracks, you want to spice things up. But at the expense of Fontana... I don't... I don't... I don't like it. I, my mindset, I was like, thanks, I hate it. But then I looked on Twitter... This was my initial thought at 10 in the morning. Then about 15 minutes or about half an hour later, I looked at it and say, okay, okay, I can agree with this. I can agree. It could help the West. It could it could bring some eyes on the Spears Southwest Tour. That's where Derek Dorn is running. You have a lot of hungry West Coast guys that, are, that don't mind running there. That's like the modifies of the West. Sure, it's super lame models, but it's kind of like the modifiers if you look at it. Some could grow out and grow and blossom to become standout racers in the future in the national level. But but you have that you have that scene down there that I would love one day. Hopefully, when I finally get that damn license, I can go cover some more of those Irwindale races or Kern County under my own limb, under my own power with a vehicle cover those races, shoot photos just to see that atmosphere. 
That's how I feel. I feel more that way on the dirt side, the, the dirt tracks, because I would love to see some dirt racing. Eldora was on my bucket list to do this year before the pandemic kind of whitewashed everything that I wanted to do in 2020 to where I got to think, do I want to cover a pandemic cup weekend or do I want to wait for 2021 to redeem myself? As I talked about it already, the Fair Demption Tour. Listen to my 2020 Indy 500 review to get an idea of what I mean by that. It's like, okay, if it means more eyeballs on the Arca on the West, especially Arca West and the Superlates, sign me up in that regard. I also understand from a business aspect why they want to do it. Because LA, it's un- Fontana, it's less than 50 miles away from downtown LA. Shout out to a good dear old friend of mine from downtown Los Angeles that does podcasting stuff that I fingers crossed I somehow eventually get her to be on my podcast to discuss about a lot of things, but that's a different story for another time. But there's a lot of land. There's a lot of property. Would I rather see it become another Riverside, Ontario, Nassau, North Wilkesboro, and Rockingham? No. If it means sacrificing a two-mile two circuit just to build a short track and allow more properties... Fingers crossed, be more intriguing, enticing properties. Like, I don't know, like, um, like look at Daytona, for example. Do I want something like that for the for the sake of keeping a West Coast track, keeping Fontana on the calendar, and not lose a venue permanently? I'm all, I'm all for it. I understand why they got to do it. I don't like the fact that you have to sacrifice a two-mile circuit that is one of the more better ones that people are growing to like. Sure, here's the problem. Here's my, here's my thing. The package. It's the package is the problem. And I even, even a counter argument that somebody bring up by following my no comment tweet to where one, they got to repave at some point. Atlanta is the same ordeal of Fontana. They have not repaved it since 1997. I, if, I, if memory serves correctly, they're the oldest tracks. As far, they're the oldest venues when it comes to track surface. They have 1997. A lot of the tracks... Some tracks adapt really well with a repay, others don't. Or some, like Fontana, took forever to finally produce good racing. But it also goes down to the package that they have. Are fans going to be patient for another decade for Fontana to be good? Like it used to be. Or I feel like it is, it's just the package is the problem. I don't think they're going to be patient. And I'm so happy people are feeling the same way I am. Because like... I just had a discussion with some folks on Twitter not that long ago to where somebody put like Tony Stewart's burnout in Fontana. Like, I said, uh, the good old days of Auto Club Speed when, when people said it was one of the most worst, boringest tracks out on the calendar with Pocono. It seems like ever since Tony Stewart did that burnout, we had some great racing Fontana, some really underrated ones. There's some good battles that eventually takes time. It's a unique track, fuel mileage. It's a multi-group track. You go balls to the walls well over 200 miles an hour. You have that big board in the, with the, from Toyota that shows the top speed. It has character. It has feistiness in it. Hell, Fontana's the site of the 1966 24 Hours of Daytona. Ford versus Ferrari reference, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Movies, commercials have been done in, in Auto Club. You're basically killing off a production site, too. Which I didn't mention in my Motorsports Tribune column, which is out right now, if you guys want to look at it. Where I'm more calm about it, rather than just ranting and letting my emotions kick in, like always. That's just the inner blue in me. Sorry, what could I do? But, that's just me being passionate about certain things. Where I want to keep it professional, but also share a little bit of my passion. 
I understand both sides of the argument. I totally do. I, it just made my heart warm seeing many folks bucking the system. Is like There's some kiss asses out there, especially on the YouTube landscape of things. To where I saw one person said, us early 2000s folks, I kind of feel that way. <laughs> early 2000s folks, because I started watching NASCAR in 2003. To where, yeah, I've seen Fontana at its boring as I've seen Fontana at its peak. I've seen Fontana in its struggles due to the package and surfaces as well, but Fontana is a unique circuit. I'm going to miss Fontana if it improves. Here's the thing people need to remember. If it gets approved, it's in its early processes. I know you have to pay. It's a pay there's a paywall in it, but Jeff Gluck and Jordan Bianchi's article about this topic from The Athletic, it's created a lot of buzz. They're in their early development phases. But of course, the thought of it, I'd imagine back in the day, everybody felt the same way about Riverside trying to become a super, a super speedway or like an oval. Because there were talks about Riverside being an oval before it ultimately failed to capitalize and went under and became a, a, Marino, a, a Marino County Valley Mall or housing. I do not want to see that. I don't. It's sad, yeah. I It's sad because here's another thing. No more IndyCar racing in Fontana. It kills off IndyCar ever going back to Fontana. And then Robin Miller, and it's still to this day, by heart, it's never gone away. What Robin Miller said, and what, he, what the track president told him, and he said in a video on Racer, he said it. He said it. Fontana will only go back. We'll open. We'll welcome IndyCar to Fontana under, under two conditions. The finale, and in the fall, in September. Well, IndyCar's finale is now in September. In the fall, well, this year's in late October because of the pandemic with the Harvest and Doubleheader, and of course, St. Pete. But now, it's doable. In an ideal world, I'd have Fontana as the penultimate round and end it at Fontana. It's doable, I think. Sure, it's, it's a far distance because you're going to end the year with a West Coast swing, but hey... West Coast Wing has done well in NHRA. It's become a tradition that NASCAR decided to adapt it early in the season. To where after the 500 is Fontana. I mean, no, not Fontana. <laughs> Vegas, Fontana, and Phoenix. That's the problem with the, being West Coast loaded. That makes me, as a Westerner, make stuff difficult. But hopefully with the license, I can travel a little bit more adventures that I'm like, okay, this is doable. I can make this possible with a rented car and vice versa. But it's got to be financially right. It's got to be reasonable. It can't be dumb. Anyways, Fontana. The sight of Joe LeFerrin's close course record of well over 240 miles an hour. Gone. It's just now going to be a likelihood of a distant memory. But it's got to get approved first. And if it gets approved, I, I don't see how this doesn't get approved, unfortunately. And my heart says so. Because it gets a lot of open ground. For the San Bernardino County to, to provide more opportunities for landscape. It saves Fontana from going under. And some people are saying, oh, why don't why can't they do it at Texas? Why can't they do that to Kentucky or Kansas or Chicago? Kentucky and Texas are owned by SMI. They're Bruton Smith tracks. Fontana is an ISC track. It's basically a NASCAR-owned property. NASCAR owns it. That's why you be. That's why like a road, like a road Atlanta could be possible. 
Because if I recall, Road Atlanta is a NASCAR-owned track. They got to do what they can because right now building a brand new circuit is just not economically feasible right now. Especially where the sport is, where the economy is, where the pandemic, what the pandemic has done. They have certain apples they can go in, but they can't really build something from the ground up this to cater them. For the lack of better terms, it's basically Fontana is the first major track that's going to be such like it. The closest thing to it. Because you're getting rid of the two-mile circuit and making it into a half-mile short track. There's some parts of the track that will remain from the two-mile. Like the grandstands and the pits and all of that. That's part of the proposed plan. Based on, what I, based on the athletic article that came out this morning. So you have that going. There's still some... Like, it's kind of like Atlanta, sort of. Not really. Where they just added a dog leg, but the back stretch still... That used to be the front stretch still there. Like... Like Loudon, what was it, Brayer Park? I apologize if I butchered the name. Briar Park, it became Loudon. Was that area that Briar Park used to be? That is Loudon now. The old Richmond Fairgrounds, that's Richmond Raceway, the three quarter mile track where the trucks Xfinity Cup are going this weekend with the trucks being the regular season finale. Xfinity having the doubleheader, and then of course the second race of the playoffs in the cup level this Saturday. If the, when that time comes, if it gets approved, March 2021 is going to be one hot ticket. I would love to be covering that one. It's going to be sad. I want to share if that happens, if I save enough, if things get better from the health point of view. I will take the time to relish being at the two-mile track. Of course, it's the site of Greg Moore's tragic death on October 31st, 1999. I'll come into that consideration. Also, just... Being a Fontana on a West Coast, a big West Coast Oval, what will be the last time? And I, I would not be awfully surprised if I don't think it's going to be immediately like the Richmond in, in 1988. But you're talking about a big track that's had an evolution, <laughs> like many mixed feelings coming to an end. But yeah, overall, the arguments for it. To have a short track, I'm, I agree. I don't see anything wrong with it. But the expense of it is where I wholeheartedly can't really invest on it. I'll fully support the short track. Don't get me wrong. I hope at least the greater opportunities for the West Coast region as far as the short tracks is concerned. Another outlet to run. But tracks like Irwindale and Kern County, support them. Support them at all costs. Support them at all costs. And here's why. Because it's, it's just, let's face it, let's face it, let's put it this way. Cup racing will never happen on those men. Well, Kern County could have a feasible shot. Irwindale is, you're, probably, you're only going to have trucks, at, or Arco, of course. But support them in any form of racing as best as it can because Irwindale has been through hell and back way too many times. And this pandemic makes it very concerning again for Irwindale's fate. Kern County could have future national tour supremacy. It, it does. When you look at it, it's like, it has promise. It's doable. I think Uno's low-key, that's their intent long-term, to have a national touring race there. Fontana, having a short, Fontana becoming a short track may hurt their chances, but you never know. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, 
if they really want to practice with weekday races or multiple races on a weekend, sure, the practice is not, this didn't look good. At the end of the day, it, w- it was not that popular. And it's really not on NASCAR's mind right now. But if they want to dabble on it in the foreseeable future, you could have Kern County and Fontana. You could probably have Kern County, Fontana, and Irwindale. Different series, of course, because Irwindale Cup level, that's not doable. It's not. It's just not. Unless you can have the all-star race down there. Because, I don't know. Bristol's a nice circuit, but a rotational venues, rotational venues for the all-star race would be helpful. And if you want to spice things up, you can... I don't see Irwindale being a bad idea, if you ask me. It will have to be deep in the season. I don't know. But that's a different topic for another time. Anyways... Man, I said a lot of stuff that's been on my chest on how I feel about a lot of things about racing. Both both good, both bad. Both good and bad. But hey, behind the exploratory lessons is about that kind of stuff. I Behind the lessons, there's always a story to be told. And I just kind of told you stories about the ARCA level, about Deegan, about stock values and properties, and even the future of venues. And with that, I'm going to close it here. So I hope you really enjoyed this roller coaster of an emotional ride. I Tune in next week and the next couple because I will have guests on for sure. We'll talk more about racing, but also talk about music and life and other things. And to kind of spice things up, let's take a look at the Bill War Hot 100, shall we? Let's see what is number one. Dynamite by BTS was last week. So I'm looking at this right now. Let's take a look at the billboard because... Since it was Labor Day yesterday, they don't post it on holidays, entities. And Dynamite is still number one. WAP, number two. Number three is Laugh Now, Cry Later with Drake featuring Lil Durk. Rockstar, which was the number one song earlier in the year with The Baby featuring Roddy Rich. Number four, Blinding Lights, the best song of the year so far. The only five-star song I've had since, I believe, 2009 by the weekend. Number five. And then you have Watermelon Sugar by Harry Styles. That was number one a while back in number six. I'm okay with it. Like I mentioned on the last episode, my question I had remaining is, how is this K-pop? Sounds like any other shit I've heard in the pop level. (sighs) I don't know. I can sort of, if that's what it sounds like, then okay, I'll be more open. J-pop is a different animal, unless if it's baby metal, which I've heard a couple of the songs, then that's a different entity, because, oh my god, I, I don't want to discuss about how I stand with that community, it's just, I won't, we don't discuss about that kind of stuff here, anyways, once again, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google, Apple, iHeartRadio is where you'll find Behind the Exploratory Lessons on a social media aspect, Facebook, type it in, uh, you'll see those up episodes, a few thoughts of my own over time, Instagram, you see my photos uh, over many years that I've been on Instagram. I have my evergreen photos on there. It's again, Luis D. Torres 94, L-U-I-S-D as in David, T-O-R-R-E-S 94, Twitter at the LT Files. Any amount of support would be greatly appreciated on that end to see my works, to my photos when that time comes again. Motorsports Tribune, that's the site I write for. I wrote a column about it. Make sure you check out how I feel about it in a verbatim, in a word, sensical way, how I feel about the Fontana situation. 
this morning. And of course, Twitter, Instagram, type in Motorsports Review because I will do absolutely my all to keep the site going for you guys. I make me just a staff writer and a photographer, but I, I am, I hold that entity very valuable. I hope to continue that ride with those guys in the foreseeable future. So until we meet again, be mindful, use your head, relax, take a breath, reflect on some things, and think about those that could really use a amount of help right now. Catch you guys later.